We are off and running on the Krug Show. Hope everybody's having a great night. It is February the 1st, 2024. We are 10 days away from Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. And the 49ers will get revenge on the Kansas City Chiefs, if I have anything to say about it. Uh, Niners and Chiefs on Super Bowl Sunday, February the 11th. It's coming up. Of course, we're brought to you by Pig and a Pickle, the best barbecue in all of Northern California. Check them out in Emeryville and Corte Madera. They're open seven days a week from 11 a.m. till 8 p.m. or until they run out. Pig and a Pickle. Go get the brisket, the brisket chili. Say hi to Damon. Say hi to Mary. Tell them that Larry Kruger sent you. And, of course, we're also brought to you by MarinAutoglass.com. Marin Autoglass. Give them a call, 415-883-3030, as well as Underdog Fantasy. Check that link in the description. Use the promo code KRUG, K-R-U-E-G, and they will match you up to your first $100. Well, Thursday night, normally I go uh, with Vish and Jesse on this Thursday night, but tonight... We're going to go with Raj from RSF 49ers. Um, Vish and I actually talked on Tuesday night, so why run it back that close? We hadn't talked to Raj all week, and he's back in the Krug show with, on the Krug Show. Raj, good to see you, man. How are you? I'm good. You know what? I'm third string, but guess what? Brock Purdy was once third string, <laughs> and now I'm starting, baby. Let's go. We ready. <laughs> Dude, you are third string to nobody, man. You are owning the IG. You're, you're owning YouTube. Yeah, what do you got on IG? What do you got on YouTube right now? Oh, dude. I mean, I think everybody's eating right now. Everybody wants Niner content. Um, you let's see, Instagram. How what are we at? It's Where are you of, at? Um, let me see, let me see, let me see. I'm on 335k, probably be 336 tomorrow. Wow. Again, a lot of sponsors, got a lot of people reaching out. This it's it's a great time. I just want to say appreciate everybody that's ever supported me and thank you. You've always given me opportunities too. So yeah, it's it's been great, man. What is what are you sitting in front of right now, Raj? What is that your normal spot there? Is that what is is that what is that right there? I mean, I know it's the Niner logo, but yeah. where is it is it uh I've never noticed it, it has kind of a I thought I thought it was just like a flat deal, but it looks like it has a profile. Yeah, so I I had it in my old place, but when I moved, I still was I still not like 100% like have everything out that I want. Um I even just bought a new TV and stuff, but it's just like a a lo- it's it's a yeah, pops out. It's from Hexart. Yeah, it looks good. It's it's nice. So I put it up. I was like, I got it. And what what are you always repping some good gear? What do you got today? You got a Greenlaw jersey going? Greenlaw, Greenlaw t-shirt. Yeah, Greenlaw shirt from Lolita. I want that. Where'd you get that? Um, from Lolita Customs. Lolita Customs. It's on Instagram. Lolita Customs. And then we got to have the Brock Purdy pin, baby. Look at that, Cam Newton's best buddy. (laughs) Yeah, right. Let's just let's start right there. Let's start right there because Cam Newton just can't shut the fuck up about Brock Purdy. And it's amazing. It's like, Cam, you don't want any of this smoke. All right. You can't handle this smoke. You don't want this comparison, Cam. You need to you need to put a sock in it. You need to you need to stay, you know, stay in your corner and not mess with this guy. Because you can't, you can't, you can't compare yourself to this kid. This kid, somebody said, Jay Mills says, "Where's your Sacramento Gold Miners helmet?" <laughs> hold on, hold on. Oh, you got a Gold Miners helmet? Let's see. Oh, I. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. see, I worked in the Canadian Football League. 
mm-hmm. and I have the Sacramento Gold Miners helmet. Right oh, there. that's nice. There we go. That's a nice helmet. Wow. David Archer one time wore this helmet. Oh, that's nice. Mike that's... Oliphant one time wore this helmet. It's nice. a real helmet, too. It's there you yeah. go. You got the innards going there. Wow, that's a cool it's helmet. A, I like the logo. Real helmet. It's a, it's a Rydell. Oh, that's cool, man. I there like it. The gold miners. Brief uh, expansion, Canadian football, American expansion of the Canadian Football League. Um, Jay Mill, there you go. You ask for your gold miners helmet, you get the gold miners helmet. All right, let's let's talk about Cam Newton for a second because Cam Newton just keeps no. going on and on and on and on and on about Brock Purdy and him and you know Brock Purdy's not a game changer and he he's not, he's the 10th best player on the Niners and um anyway Richard Sherman jumped in he says I love Cam and I have a ton of respect for him but come on in your second year in the NFL you wouldn't have been the best player on this team but no one would have put you down because of it. Judge him like you would judge yourself because these categories would have excluded second-year Cam, too. Mm -hmm. Um, And let's just play the Cam thing. Let me share the screen here. We'll do this the right way. Um, Because this guy, just he just doesn't know when to leave well enough alone. And it's like, dude, do we need to expose you? I guess we do. Um, here we go. This is, this is Cam talking Purdy. That's not, I've never said that Brock Purdy was trash. What I did say is Brock Purdy is a game manager. That's not hate. That's just what I feel to be facts. But I still reserve the right to say this, to be labeled a game changer. Brock Purdy has to be the best player on the offensive side of the ball. Hmm. And that's case and who's the best player christian mccaffrey (laughs) man look i ain't recanting shit and if you really want to just be honest if you add in the defensive talent and you add in the offensive talent brock parody is the 10th best player on this team okay cool did he have a great game yes is he been playing out of his mind yes is he a quarterback that's hot yes but he's still the 10th best player on his team all right and not the the other part about that that you know doesn't even Christian McCaffrey is not the best player on the 49ers. If you really want to go best player, it is Trent Williams. Trent Williams is the best player on the 49ers. Trent Williams is the best player on the Niner offense. Christian McCaffrey, if you asked him, would tell you that Trent Williams is the best player. So he's not even right about that. I mean, he's just wrong on so many levels. But then Twitter gets to work, right? Mm -hmm. And I just tweeted this out because it's an amazing tweet. I retweeted it. My 14-year-old's like, Dad, you got to check this one out. It's from, it's outside the lines. um, And it's out CYD, the lines. Okay, so it's outside the lines. And this is Cam Newton with the game on the line. Mm -hmm. And then Brock Purdy with the game on the line. And we got to show these two little clips because this is unbelievable. This says it all about both of these guys. All right. So here we go. Here we go. Show this again. Now, this is Cam. Here he comes. Number 58. Vaughn Miller gets Mike Rimmers one more time. Cam Newton didn't feel it. Didn't step up. (laughs) 
<laughs> a football just taken out of his hand. Cam Newton decides not to dive in there. And yeah, take he backed away from it. He, he jumped away instead of jumping into the pile. Yep. I guess he made a decision. It wasn't worth to go in there and get it. Should have dove in. Had a <laughs> okay. So there you go. That's Cam's moment at Levi's, by the way, against the Broncos. That was Super Bowl 50. All right. So that's, that's the Cam Newton portion of that. Um, okay, let's see. We'll close that. Now we'll open Brock Purdy and his deal. And this is Brock Purdy in the same kind of a moment. 15. Look, look at the difference. Look at him dive in there. Fumble looks like against, uh, maybe East Carolina or somebody. He jumps head first right into the pile and he's got to get it. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, one guy made a business decision, and the other guy said, I need that football. I got to have that football. Get me that football. There you go. Oh, wait a second. What happened? Did I lose your Raj? For a second. I, 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 yeah, we're good. We're good. So there you go. There truly is the side-by-side -side comparison. Cam made a business decision on the fumble in his moment. Brock Purdy on a fumble dives headfirst into the pile going for the football. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'll leave cam alone because it's not about cam at this point, but man, cam cam really should just, just end it right there. I mean, you know, cam Newton never had cam Newton's career uh, completion percentage is 59%. Brock Purdy's is 68%. You know, Cam Newton had won three playoff games in his career. Brock Purdy's already won four playoff games in his career. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if I was Cam, I, you know, I would, you know, this, he considers himself on a much, much higher level than Purdy. And in reality, Cam was sub 500 in the playoffs and Purdy's never lost a playoff game that he's won and that he started and finished. So I don't know. I, if I was Cam, I think I would, I think I would end and the comparisons there between the two of them. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. He just needs to zip his lip. He looks as silly as he dresses at this point. Like, I think he's jealous. I think he's jealous that Brock Purdy's having the success. Maybe he's jealous of all the talent that Brock Purdy has around him. He's never – I just think he's jealous of Brock Purdy for whatever reason. And also, this is the time of the year where, you know, media is going to say what they got to say. It's the Super Bowl. He knows if he makes his spicy take about any team that's in the Super Bowl – Chiefs and Niners, it's a trending topic. He's got his podcast. He wants views, all eyes on him. Everybody's talking about him. It's, it's how the media works. Every time you say something negative about a trending topic, it blows up. And, of course, Brock Purdy's probably the biggest trending topic in NFL right now, him and Patrick Mahomes, right? And it's just a way for him to drive his, his podcast and all that stuff. But it's crazy to me because I like what you know um, Richard Sherman says. He said, look, he's in the second year of his career. It's not fair. Yeah, you got to use yourself and judge yourself at that point in your career. Loved what he said, but it's just, it's just ridiculous that he's saying that. And to for him to say, you know, he's the tenth best player. He can't be a game manager. Like, who's he to dictate that? Is he the president of opinions of sports opinions? Is he the guy that tells us how we're supposed to look at a player and say, oh, he's not a game manager because he's number ten on the team? Like, who's he to determine that? At the end of the day, Brock Purdy put the team on his back, right? He's the one that made those 
game-changing plays. A game-changer doesn't mean you have to be the best player on your offense. He was a game-changer on Sunday, was he not? By, you know, elevating the team with his legs, the scramble ability. Like, that was an X factor that we didn't see out of Brock a lot. But he has this crazy athleticism, running like he was Steve Young. Now, we didn't see Lamar Jackson doing any of that on Sunday, but we saw Brock Purdy doing it. And he's done it time after time. In the playoffs, two games, two game-winning drives by Brock Purdy. And he has played fantastic. I think Cam is jealous because he's trying to make his point that he's a game manager. He can't do anything. And he gets looked – he looks like a clown every single week. He says something and he opens his mouth. Brock Purdy is – in my mind, he's a game changer. He's not a game manager. I don't know if you saw what Alex Smith said you know, on Sunday before the game. He goes, <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. I'm the captain of the game management club, and he was a, like a glorified game manager, Alex Smith. We all know that. But he goes, he's not allowed. This guy does things that nobody in a, that a game manager can do. Again, the scramble ability, the running, throwing on the run to Kyle Juszczyk. I mean, beautiful catch by Kyle, by Kyle Juszczyk. And then the throw to Jennings, like in traffic, on the run. Come on, man. This guy is just jealous that Brock Purdy is going to have a better career than him. If he wins a Super Bowl, he'll do something that Cam Newton has never done. And he's already won more games than half of these teams. These, People that rip him. It's just crazy to me. And my last point is, he's, this is like the greatest underdog story I think we've ever seen in the NFL. Maybe Fred, you know, maybe Kurt Warner. That was, that was a heck of a story. I was bagging groceries and he won MVPs and stuff. Guys at Kroger's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, but now Brock, he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's a crazy story. Brock Purdy's story should be like celebrated and Instead, people are desecrating him. I just don't get it, Larry. I yeah. hate it. No, I mean, it's it, usually there's this, we build guys up to tear them down. We don't even build this guy up. We're just tearing him down. If if Brock Purdy wins next Sunday, a week from Sunday over Mahomes and the Chiefs, they are making a Disney movie about yeah. it. Bank on it. Get oh. ready for it. Lean into it. It's yeah. coming. So, I mean, this is one of the great stories. I've been watching the NFL since the mid-1970s. The Brock Purdy story is easily one of the five or six greatest stories that I've ever come across since covering the NFL or, or since following the NFL. Forget covering the NFL. That somebody can be draft, drafted last and you know be sitting by a $20 million Jimmy Garoppolo behind the bonus baby uh, draft choice in Trey Lance and then potentially takes over the, an iconic franchise goes undefeated his first year, gets knocked out of the playoffs, gets his elbow ripped off, rehabs, comes back, leads him to 12-5, and five, goes back to the playoffs and maybe wins it all by beating Mahomes and, and the mighty Chiefs, the dynasty of the NFL, in the Super Bowl. I mean, this is an awesome story. Uh, EB says kudos to Sherman, Emmanuel Acho, and Pat McAfee for defending, for defending Brock Purdy. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing, too. Brock doesn't... He's not asking for anybody to defend him at all. Uh, he's just he's just out there doing his thing. Um, all right, enough on Cam. We've already given Cam too much time. Yeah, but, but, okay, we do have a couple other things that I want to get to. One of them, I'm going to share the screen again. This, Mike, I, I was at the Lions game and didn't notice this. Trying to get to the edge. It's a block from the... And I'm going to put the volume down. Mm, yeah, I saw uh, and this one is just unbelievable. 
Okay, this is the Jameer Gibbs. Niners are down 14-7. There's six minutes and one second to play. The Lions are at the 15-and-a-half-yard line. If they score a touchdown here, which they did on this play, they go up 21-7. In the NFC Championship game, this isn't preseason game number two. This is the NFC Championship game. For those of you who don't realize what we're watching here, you win, you go to the Super Bowl. You lose, and your season is over. Watch number 92, the right defensive end. Now, he's not the only one jaking it. There's Givens. Uh, Tayshawn Gibson takes a bad angle. But to me, the effort here from Chase Young sickens me. Watch this. Mm-hmm. Gibbs running, get 92 in a jog, never gets a hand on him, just jogs over there, touchdown 21 7. 92 wants to get pursued. He's pulling up. Someone else is going to make the tackle. Uh-huh. Was he waving to him there? Was he trying to give him a high five there? I mean, I'm not exactly sure what Chase was doing here, but the effort's awful. Absolutely awful. The worst effort I think I've ever seen in a game of that magnitude. All right, so fast forward to today. I have to ask Kyle Shanahan about this, and so That's I did. Here, quarter, here we uh, go. Halfback toss to Gibbs. What did you Wait, think? Wait, say, team? We'll put this at the beginning. Here's me asking Shanahan about that play. Kyle, your team plays really hard, I think, in all three phases of the game through your tenure here. When you watch that film against Detroit and you watch that second quarter uh, halfback toss to Gibbs, what did you think of the pursuit effort of your defensive lineman on that play? And is that in line with your culture here? No, not at all. I mean, that's kind of what I was referring to on, I think, our conference call on Monday. Um, but it's, you know, and I know it looked bad on the clip that you guys have and stuff, but it's, um, yeah, we know it's not our culture. We don't want to have one play like that. I think we had about two to three in that game, which, um, is too much for us. We won't ever have one, but it wasn't just the D-line. Uh, there was a few backside people who weren't going and they expected someone else to make the tackle. And whenever you're expecting someone else to make the tackle, uh, make bad things happen. There you go. Um, I tried to ask that question as diplomatically as possible because I didn't want to throw Chase under the bus in, on the, in the, you know, on a, in a media press presser that I know everybody from Kansas city um, to San Francisco from coast to coast, everybody's getting that. So I didn't want to call out chase and I didn't want, and he didn't want to call out chase and we're not trying to start world war three with chase young in the middle of super bowl week. Yeah. But the fact of the matter that we're discussing their, 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 the guy that they traded for, I mean, the Niners give up a third round draft choice to get this cat. He's a free agent at the end of the year. The wisdom of get of making that trade is, is is all about yeah. Well, you're trying to win the Super Bowl this year. It's all about right here, right now. What's he going to do, Raj? I mean, that effort was subpar, very subpar. And Shanahan, you know, to his credit, did not call out the individual, but he easily could have. Um, Givens didn't look good on that play. Tayshon didn't look good on that play. And it's not like that play defines the entire game, but that was a disturbing lack of urgency in the NFC championship game in a, in a play where in a point in the game where you'd think 
you know, there should every guy in that defense should be like hell bent not to go down two touchdowns. And he's just kind of Cadillacing it over there. I hated it when I saw it. I couldn't believe it. And I had to ask about it today. And Shanahan gave us a diplomatic answer. Give me your thoughts on what we saw and Kyle's answer. Yeah, no, first and foremost, this is a good question. I saw that we were talking about it before we went live. I love that question. That was good. Somebody had to ask it because I don't know about you, but on every live I've done, everything I've been posting this week, and when I've been live, everybody's like, Chase Young, is there a Chase? Is he? People are talking about Chase Young. It had to be said. There's rumors out there now because he hasn't played good. He's been a little inconsistent, let's be honest. One of the things that, you know, Washington media said when he left the, the commanders was he's a little lazy. You know, I don't think he's really lived up to his draft stock. You know, he was a high pick, top three pick in the draft, rookie of the year. He had the name and he got the ACL tear. He hasn't really been Chase Young. You know, this is a contract year. We expected him to be the second coming to Nick Bosa on the other side. Like, we wanted that. Jacksonville game. So what we got, we were like, oh, my God, we got Chase Young for a third-round pick. Where, I'll give you this, Chase Young for a third-round pick, it might sound like, oh, my God, we gave him a third-round pick. 49ers get third round picks all the time because they get comp picks. So in a way, it was a rental. They're only paying 800 k so you get what you get. I don't think they'll bring him back if he's going to continue to play inconsistent, which he has. But he's got four quarters. He's got three hours left to right all those wrongs, and it won't matter. If he can help this team win a Super Bowl, great. That's why they brought him in. But I agree, his, um, his, his effort was poor. And for a guy that's name is Chase, I need to see a little bit more chase out of the big fella. He played a little bit better in the second half. I think the whole defense was not playing good in the first half because it's not just him. They've been missing tackles. Fred Warner, a lot of guys have missed tackles. Um, they need to clean that up. They need to make sure that their pursuit's better. But Chase Young specifically, if you're trying to get paid, big fella, yeah, you got to kind of step up because that was uh, – I, I remember watching the game. And, and I was at the game, and we were sitting there live, and me and my guy we were watching with, every time they ran those plays with Gibbs and everything, Monty – he just couldn't set the edge, but that's never been his game. He, Chase Young, has a problem setting the edge. And I think the biggest loss going into this uh, playoff was Clellan Farrell because he was pretty good at setting the edge, actually. I really liked that out of him. And that's where Chase struggles. And these teams know. They know, hey, Chase isn't going to set the edge. He's not going to run hard. And they were running right towards Chase Young's side every single time they got a chance. So He's got to really step it up. I'm glad that you said that because it had to be said. He's been inconsistent, and this is the biggest game of everybody's life, and especially Chase Young's life. If you want a contract because he's playing, like you said, free agent, this is a game where you better set the edge. You can't have that effort because a game against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, if you do that and that kind of play, it might cost you the championship. So I loved Kyle Shanahan's answer because you don't want to throw anybody under the bus. You got media week next week. They will feast on that, and they will eat that up. The media was ripping for a quote, so I'm glad that he handled it the way he did. And he says, "Hey, we had our, you know, our our conference on Monday. We discussed what we had to say. I'm sure he talked about it in house. I really like that because you don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. You got a game to win next week. Want to make sure everybody's cool. And then what he said was, yeah, there was not just him. It was a lot of other players. He didn't mention players, but he says a lot of people missed assignments. And like you said, Kevin Gibbons, he didn't look great on that play too. So. It's not one guy, but Chase Young has, if you've been watching the games and you study the tape, he's stuck out a lot. They ought to find the Apollo Creed uh, line from Rocky Three. There is no tomorrow. <laughs> there is no tomorrow. Yeah. Um, okay, so, you know, a lot of people question Chase Young's character uh, coming from Washington. And at the time, I thought they were talking about off-field stuff. 
and I and I and I said I kind of pushed back and said, you know, the, there is no character issue, but it's not the off-field character. It might be the on-field character uh, that people are talking about. Fred Warner was asked today about the game last week and about about the run defense and the Niners' run defense. For those who don't know, in the postseason, the Niners giving are giving up five point six yards per carry. That is just it's unbelievable. They're even still alive at 5.6 a carry. But when, when Fred Warner was asked about it, he said, um, basically said, yeah, we're not giving great effort as a group, mm-hmm. not giving great effort as a group. This is the playoffs. This is you're going to the Super Bowl. But that was a very honest line by Fred Warner. And then Nick Bosa, when he was asked today about the defense and the run D, he says there has to be a different level of intensity required. Yeah. Um, and I asked him, I said, who's the guy in your D-line room, Nick, that holds people accountable for their play? And he's like, Chris, meaning Chris Kacarek. He said, Daryl, meaning Daryl Tapp. And he said, Eric and me. Well, one of those four guys has got to maybe, maybe uh, you know, Nick's pretty chill. Eric's pretty chill. Tap and, and Chris are definitely not chill. I mean, they're definitely screamer yeller types. But somebody's got to dial up the intensity in that room because the Niners are going to win the Super Bowl because of their D-line or they're going to lose the Super Bowl because of their D-line. Their D-line is the tip of the, of the sphere, uh, tip of their spear, I should say, and it's, it's this is it right here. You got one game left. Either the D line's going to do it or the D line's not. Now, I've already we've already brought up Givens. We've already brought up Chase. Now I got to mention Javon Hargrave. They paid the guy forty million dollars guaranteed to become a 49er. Forty million dollars. Um, that's a ton of that's a grip of cash. And Javon Hargrave right now isn't doing it. Um, Javon Hargrave, I believe, you know, had like five sacks and a bunch of pressures um, in the playoffs coming coming into this year. He's got no tackles, no no um, tackles for loss, no pressures, no sacks. Forty million dollars. If I hear Greg Pop or somebody else call this guy the grave digger. One more time, I'm going to lose my ass. The, no, don't tell me his nickname. You don't get a nickname when you have no tackles, no no tackles for losses, and no sacks. $40 million guaranteed. Sam Wilson says, Grave Digger, better wake up too. I don't even want to hear his nickname. I really don't even want to. You don't get a nickname when you don't produce. And right now, he's not producing. So if there's one guy that has the potential to step into this next game, and light it up. It's it's Javon Hargrave. Um, you know, I, I almost feel like we need to have like a beginning of this of this game. There needs to be like a roll call for Niner defensive linemen. Who's showing up in this thing? Because I'll tell you this, based on what I've seen, Armstead's balling, Bosa's balling, Kinlaw's balling, everybody else is just wearing a jersey. So what's gonna what Chase Young, what are you gonna do? You know, Javon Hargrave, what are you going to do? Randy Gregory, what are you going to do? Kevin Givens, what are you going to do? Sebastian Joseph Day, what are you going to do? 
even the youngster, Robert Beal, the, the Niner D line. What would you do here? I mean, you're not, you can't bench all these guys that you, you, you got to go with the girl who, who, who you brought, right? I mean, there's nothing left to do. There's no trade. There's no waiver wire. There's no, th these are your guys. And Kacerik is a yeller screamer. I'm out there today that's pouring down rain. Um, I'm standing there 15 away, 15 feet away from the drill. He's yelling and screaming. These guys have got to decide that they're going to ball out or it's bye-bye. They're going to get, they're going to get absolutely drilled by Mahomes and this, this chief's offensive line. If these guys no show this super bowl. Absolutely, man. The D line is the game. Well, they, they always say the game is one in the trenches and you can't be even, you, you can't even begin to start in this game. Cause if the chiefs, run all over the Niners, like the Niners have been getting ran through over the last couple of weeks. It's going to be, you know, a dark day because the 49ers have had struggles. And you're right. Fred Warner, he owned up. He says, hey, look, we need to play better. We need better effort. We can't, you know, let up. And he said the last time we played these guys in the Super Bowl, 60 minutes, we have to play a full 60-minute game. I'm scarred for life. Like he knows what it has to take. Like even he's been missing tackles. But Hargrave, for sure, he kind of went ghost after a while. He got the hamstring injury. Just hasn't been the same. Chase Young, I feel like he just never had that championship caliber when he was in Washington. Like they're, they're, their standard's different. He comes to the Niners, it's a higher standard. And now I think he's like, oh, you know, I, I got to push myself. But at the same time, he's used to being in Washington where he probably could have taken plays off because they didn't have that championship standard. But right now, Super Bowl, this defensive line has to carry this team because guess what? You guys are getting paid way too much money not to get pressures, not to get sacks. This is a this is a big this is the biggest game of the year you have to go out there and you got 40 million dollar contract whatever the case is you need to play like it you're right armstead's played you know better this week than he did last week but i'll give him the benefit now he's a little rusty nick bosa's playing like the defense player of the year like he's putting his tail on the line during these playoffs he needs some help the craziest thing is during the offseason we all said nick bosa needs help we're at the super bowl and now i'm pretty much still saying nick bosa needs some help go help that man win a super bowl but um, I think they can, again, four quarters, put it all on the line, man. They know what's at stake, but if this defensive line, Larry, doesn't put it together, if they don't show that effort and they get the ran, and they get ran through, it might be a long game. Because I don't know if you can come back like they did against, you know, Green Bay and the Detroit Lions against Kansas City because Patrick Mahomes is not going to let you take his lead from him. No. There is no tomorrow. <laughs> All right, uh, Julius Calloway. Javon Kinlaw is the biggest X factor for this game. Mm. I agree with Julius. I think that's genius. Um, okay, so there's two factors in this game that I think are interesting. Um, one is what Julius just mentioned there, which is if you watch Kansas City um, or if you watch the Detroit game, Detroit and Green Bay had success running it on the Niners. Why are they having success? Let's work back from there. They're having success because what they're doing is their Niner defensive tackles are not absorbing the offensive linemen. The offensive linemen for Green Bay and Detroit are climbing successfully to that second level, and they're getting bodies on the legs of Greenlaw and Warner. And so Aaron Jones gets to the edge, and when he cuts back, ain't nobody there because they've got those guys blocked. And same thing in Detroit, you know, they've got to Gibbs on the edge, cuts back. There ain't nobody there because Greenlaw and Warner are getting blocked. The Niners have to 
play Kinlaw a lot of snaps inside, maybe put Armstead at defensive end because Kinlaw is the one defensive tackle that they have that can absorb uh, Creed Humphrey or Thune or Allegretti, um, those interior guys for the Chiefs that are so good and keep let keep bodies off the legs of Greenlaw and Warner and let those guys run and hit. I got tons of confidence that the Niners can stop Isaiah Pacheco, who still has 4-3 speed and nobody runs harder, if Greenlaw and Warner can be protected. Kinlaw, I really believe, Raj, is the best chance the Niners have for protecting Kinlaw or protecting Greenlaw and um, and Warner. So that's the one key. The other key I think is major is I think Bosa is going to dominate um, the the tackles in this game mm-hmm. because they you know they they lead uh, Juwan Taylor leads the NFL with twenty penalties. Uh, I asked Bosa today. I said, "Hey man, you you watch uh, Juwan Taylor? You watch uh, uh, the other tackle for Kansas City? Uh, was it Donovan Smith?" Mm-hmm. I said, "You watch those guys. What stands out about you? Or uh, what stands out about them to you?" And did you hear his answer? Oh yeah, it went viral. That that clip says <laughs> hold a lot. That they hold a-, a lot. They hold a lot. Uh, I mean, that was awesome. Right uh, there when oh. he said that, I was just like, yes. <laughs> now the Niners, the Niners need to put that thing out in the ether because it's the same damn refing crew that didn't call these holds last time around four years ago. And if it happens again, that's going to be major advantage, Chiefs. The only way. T- um, those two tackles can handle Nick Bosa off the edges if they hold him. And I love the fact that Nick didn't shy away. What is it? What do you see with those tackles? Yeah, they hold a lot. Yeah. I mean, that was a beautiful answer, man. And I hope everybody hears it. Oh, they did. Let me tell you, when I saw when I was listening to it and I heard that, I was like, this is about to go viral. I knew it. And I posted it. The post got like tons of engagement. I posted the picture of him getting held in the Super Bowl with the quote. And then Ari Myrov from My Sports Update, he posted the video clip, and I mean, it's getting it's everywhere. And then if you saw the Jed York, you know, you you, you were there, you were asking Jed York all the questions. Yeah, I don't know which reporter asked him, but they said, "What is your memory, your takeaway from that Super Bowl in Miami?" He goes, "Well, the only thing I remember was Nick Bosa getting held." All I was like, "Oh my God, Jed York said that it was so funny." Like I think the Niners are making this a effort to say, "Hey, look, refs." there's holding Nick Bosa, make sure you're looking at him in the, in the game because it's on their radar. I think the Niners are smart and making sure they're making this a big topic because this has to be at the forefront. If Nick Bosa is getting held and checked because we, there's the picture, the picture's worth a thousand words. You've seen it where Nick Bosa is trying to get to Mahomes and the guy's just like holding, holding Bosa. And then you got the owner, Jed York saying the one thing he remembers of that Super Bowl is Nick Bosa getting held. I couldn't believe it. That was a great question. That was a bar of an answer. I'm hyped up. I love yeah. it. Today was a great day. Today was a great day for sound bites. Um, <laughs> it was it was an unbelievable day. So we got a chance to talk to Fred Warner. Got a chance to talk to Nick Bosa. Got a chance to talk to Kyle Shanahan. Tomorrow it's Wilkes, Purdy, um, I think Kittle, maybe Ayuk, uh, mm-hmm. Chris Forster. Uh, so we'll get more tomorrow. But Debo, you got any Debo tomorrow? I want to hear Debo. I don't know. Maybe Debo. Debo would be great. Debo would be great. Um, All right. Let's talk about Jed York for a minute. Mm. I thought the most interesting part of the Jed York uh, conversation was when he was asked about 
Brock Purdy or about he was asked he was actually about Kyle. He was asked about Kyle, and it's funny too because you know Mayoko basically tried to. It was weird. I mean, first of all, Shanahan has been to four of the last five NFC Championship games, and it was almost as if uh, the Cobra uh, Matt Mayoko was almost trying to lead Jed to to saying he was on the hot seat. Yeah, if, if he didn't win the Super Bowl. And I'm looking over at Matt like, are you freaking kidding me? That was a crazy question. I know. I caught that too, Larry. I was like, when I was listening, I said, did he just say he's on the hot seat? I was like, what? The hot seat? I mean, what? 2020. hot seat. Larry, nobody was in the stadiums. That that year was a throwaway year. Come on. Everybody got Nick Bosa towards ACL. I was like, what? The hot seat? I could not believe He's like, well, you know, if he wins, he's going to be on top of the football world. And, but if he loses mm-hmm. and then Jed, and then Jed's like, Hey, I love Kyle. Yeah. I think he's a phenomenal coach. I think Kyle's record more than speaks for itself. And it's like, okay, that's the right answer. And that's the, but I could not believe that question. I could yeah. not believe that. I mean, I mean, I could, I could, I could imagine that it would be asked by somebody, but I just was shocked that Mayoko who's so positive, he's so overwhelmingly positive um, that he would he would actually suggest that maybe it's a logical thing to consider firing Kyle Shanahan if they don't beat the Chiefs on February the 11th? What? Three out of the last four years, NFC Championship? That's crazy. You had Chip Kelly talking fast. You had Jim Tom Sula. I mean... Come on. Who are you going to get? That's Who crazy. are you going to get? I mean, I, I couldn't believe that. Like, anyway, it came out. The next comment Jed had was he mentioned that in training camp of 2022, so not mm-hmm. this year, last year in training camp, that Kyle came to him. And despite the fact they had Jimmy Garoppolo making $20 million back on the roster, they had yeah. re-signed him. Despite the fact they had traded all those draft choices for Trey Lance, that Kyle said to him and said, Jed, I, we need to talk. I think our best quarterback, I think our third string quarterback is our best quarterback. Yeah. And wow. And then Jed said, man, Kyle's always honest. Uh, he felt like he, he said he let it play out the right way. Kyle's open and honest and will always shoot you straight, which is what I hear from the players all the time as well. You know, you may not like what Jimmy Ward didn't like what Kyle had, had to say to him last year, but guess what? He shot him straight, um, and he said, "Hey, you want to play? You're going to play this position. You're going to play nickel." Um, Jimmy wanted to play safety because he was headed towards free agency, and then safeties make more money in free agency than than nickel corners, which is kind of surprising anyway because nickel corners are so valuable. That's a different discussion. Yeah, but I thought that was incredibly interesting. And I felt somewhat vindicated because I was the guy saying in 2022, hey, this, the, you know, Lance, okay, one ball's high, one ball's low, one ball's in, one ball's out. Garoppolo wasn't even on the field. Garoppolo was on a side field, mm-hmm. um, you know, behind the stands. Nobody was even watching him. He was just yeah. waiting to be traded. And Brock Purdy outplayed Trey Lance all through minicamp, all through training camp. I said it. I said, you know what? This Brock Purdy kid is real. I went on the radio. Bonte and Shasky and 95.7 scoffing at me. Um, people ripping me on Twitter. I said the next year in March, 
this is a, the next March after that. I said, you know what? Niners are going to commit to Brock and they're going to move off of Trey Lance. I took heat for six months. You're racist. You're this, you're that. How can you say that they're not trading Trey? You have no idea what you're talking about. It's pretty clear that the Niners had moved off of Trey mentally well before they ever trade pulled the trigger on a trade. Yeah. I mean that to me, if you if you're if you're not if you're not seeing that, then you're just not seeing it, right? I mean, what he what she, what uh, Jed told us today pretty much told us that in Kyle's mind, Purdy was better than Garoppolo and better than Lance in the 2022 training camp. I know. A year, year yeah. two years ago. That was, an, that was an incredibly compelling soundbite today. That was a crazy story. Like, part of me is like, okay, we. I, I think I've known Kyle needed a difficult life. I think he just wasn't sold on Trey, like, for whatever reason. He didn't really give him the chance, and then he got the injuries and stuff, so he went and got Brock. And then if you watch 957 The Game today, they were talking about it, and Peter King was there, and he said... I saw that. Mad Kyle. Yeah, I think he tweeted about that, too. Like, they were mad at Kyle. Like, people wanted a linebacker and this and that at the last, the last pick of the draft. But Kyle said, look, we're not going to be able to draft him or we're not going to be able to sign him as a free agent, undrafted free agent, if we don't draft him. You have to draft him. Kyle knew this was his guy. Like, he knew this was his guy. And it's, like you said, vindicated when in training camp, he's selling him, it's my best quarterback. But I like, like you said, Jed said he let it play out. It was organic. They did put in a lot of stock for Trey. They're going to let it ride out. And if he play great, play great. And, and Kyle said this. All of the stuff that Kyle said came to fruition, but nobody wanted to believe him. You know, he told it like it is. He basically said, look, you know, when, when Brock came out and he played great, he goes, this is our quarterback, but if he's not healthy, you know, we're going to give these other guys a chance. And it's, to me, that, that, of course, it was a crazy revelation, but to me, it just tells you how great this team has been and how much they've built this uh, roster. Like John Lynch, front office, Kyle Shannon, like to have a quarterback that you spent three first-round picks and he didn't pan out the way you wanted to. And now they're in the, they're in the Super Bowl. They have a quarterback that's better. So you got them in the late rounds, right? In the seventh pit, seventh round. You know how many teams in this league, Larry, if they were to bust out on their quarterback, first round quarterback, you know how many years it takes them to recover from that? The 49ers are in the Super Bowl. The fact that they took this quarterback, it failed. And then they went and got Brock because Kyle was like, I, I gotta have him. And he knew. This is my guy. This is the guy I've been searching for. I think it's safe to say that he knew that Jimmy wasn't the guy and that sadly, despite the investment, the Trey wasn't the guy. And he found his guy. You know how many years he's been searching for the guy? And we talk about Andy Reid, the quarterback or the coach for the Chiefs. How many years did he fail and fail and fail until he found his quarterback, Mahomes? Now, Kyle, he might be in this same parallel universe. If they win a Super Bowl, then it's the Andy Reid situation. He finally found his guy. Took him years, and he finally found his guy. And you can tell how much he loves Brock. After that game on De in Detroit, he went up and he hugged Brock. Like, that was the huge embrace. They love This team loves Brock. Kyle loves Brock. Found his guy. You know what? He failed along the way. Now he found his guy, and he's not going to look back. And I, I love the story. It was amazing, and I love that Jed York was honest with us. And and told that that was a crazy nugget when I heard. I was like, wow. Here, here's Peter King. Here's Peter King with Dibs and Willard on ninety-five-seven. The game, yeah. uh, an afternoon drive today. Two of my favorite guys, and Pete King, Kyle Shanahan. In that period of time, 20, 25, 30 minutes, when they were trying to decide what they were going to do, he said in that room, "I love this quarterback. 
this is the guy I want to take. And so all of a sudden, a chorus of other coaches come up and say, oh, man, we we need this linebacker. We need this receiver. We need This guy is going to help us. We got two quarterbacks already. You just traded three ones last year to pick Trey Lance. Who cares about a quarterback and if we lose him? It doesn't matter. But Kyle Shanahan, you know, and 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 the management of this team made a decision that I'm telling you ticked off some people in that room when they took Brock Purdy because nobody who 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 has any idea about a quarterback from Iowa State. <laughs> However, Kyle Shanahan knew one thing, and it was the most important thing, and it was the reason why he ended up taking Brock Purdy with the 262nd and final pick in the draft. And he knew that Brock Purdy was not going to sign with the 49ers in free agency. He knew it. So he said, if we want this guy, if I love him so much, uh, we got to pick him. So they picked him. And obviously they lost out on a couple of guys who might have made their team because every year there's one or two or three guys who is an undrafted rookie who comes in on all teams in the NFL and makes the team. But I think probably uh, the coaches who are arguing against that are pretty happy this evening <laughs> that, uh, that, that Kyle Shanahan got his back up and said, Hey, we're taking Brock Purdy. What what do you make of that? By the way, do you think that's just Peter reading the tea leaves, or is that a real is that a is that a sourced report? I'm not questioning the reporting skills of Peter King, one of the most veteran um, reporters in the league, but he never the way he kind of went through that. It almost is like he's reading the tea leaves. I mean, is come on, is there really? any player out there that they would have rather have had and show me an NFL coach that says, I want this guy with our final pick in the seventh round and really gets a significant pushback from anybody. If you're a head coach of an NFL team and you have conviction about who you're going to pick with pick number 262, you get what you want. I mean, you get what you want and there's not a person, no scout, no, there's no, I don't care what position coach you coach. I don't care what the complexion of your roster looks like. If the head coach wants player X at the end of the seventh round, he gets player X at the end of the seventh round. So I don't know. What what did you make? I know the way he stated it there, but it's almost like he's, he's kind of like putting it almost sounds like he's not sourced, like he's just kind of reading the reading the reading the, the room. Yeah, yeah, read the room and kind of going through it and kind of, you know, I mean, I don't know. He was embedded with the Niners in a previous draft, but I don't think it was that draft. So it wasn't like he was in their war room, but he very easily could have said, Kyle told me this. Lynch told me this. Somebody told me this. And he, sh- he stopped short of saying that. It was an odd report from Peter King, but I thought it was interesting to listen to today. I mean, Peter King's pretty plugged in, especially with the night. I mean, every yeah, company. yeah definitely. I, I won't question him. I don't necessarily think it's a source report, but you know, Niners typically don't leak stuff. But I'm sure Peter King knows somebody that said something that may have sounded like a you know a source 
from within and say, hey, you know, when we were drafting. But I think it's more of reading the room kind of deal, uh, reading the tea leaves, like you said. But at the end of the day, like, it's the last pick in the draft. I don't know if a lot of people put in a lot of stock in that. But it does sound like, because I've seen, I've heard the Brock Purdy story. Like, he's told it, too, uh, many times where he said, look, I was on the phone. I He tricked his dad, uh, his parents. I don't know if you heard the story. Like, he told the story where, I can't remember where I saw the interview. But he says, hey, look, I got a call from them. They said, we're picking you at the last draft. So he knew. But he didn't tell his family. And they were like, hey, what was that call? He goes, ah, it's just another free agent call, another free agent call. But he knew he was going to get drafted at the last pick. So when the pick came in, you've seen the video where everybody's like, oh, my God. The family's like going berserk. Oh, my God. He got drafted. Oh, my God. So, like, he wanted that moment for his family. He didn't want to tell them and ruin the surprise. So it was amazing. So I think there is some weight to it, some merit to him to say, like, they're going to call him. Like, hey, we need we want to draft you because – yeah, you know what? A quarterback at that late in the draft, if you if you think you could get him undrafted, you're going to go get him undrafted. But Brock, what, what he said was Brock wasn't going to sign with him. So I think there is some merit to it. Now, again, do I know if it's sourced or not? It's up in the air. So yeah, maybe, we're all kind of guessing. Maybe he's putting pieces together of a puzzle, but it's a hell of a story. And it makes the Brock Purdy story even better. Like, the Brock Purdy story, there's so many levels. I saw something today about, like, C.J. Bether. They drafted him. And then he gets to the Jaguars. And then, you know, because of his pick, they get the certain draft pick. And it ended up being the bet, like the 262 pick. It's just so many weird little things happen to link the 49ers to Brock Purdy. And at the end of the day, this is their guy, man. And he's the franchise quarterback. And again, going back to where, you know, all these other people are, are discrediting him, they should just love this damn story, Larry. This story is, is incredible, man. It's It's like you said, a movie. You've seen the movie Rudy. They're going to make the movie Purdy instead of Rudy. I, I already see it. I, they better cast me and you in this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are you surprised that the 49ers um, are going up against a team that probably has a better defense and has Patrick Mahomes and is the defending champion, and yet the 49ers are the favorite? By whatever you want to call it, two points, one and a half, one. I've seen it all over the place. Are you surprised that the Niners are favored? Uh, I was talking to Damon Bruce the other day about this, and he's like, "I'll take the Chiefs and the points." And and I and I totally understood where he was coming from because he's like, "Hey, you know, if you take the Chiefs, you're getting the better defense and Mahomes and Andy Reid, who's got you know multiple rings against Shanahan, who doesn't have rings, Purdy, who's you know, never played in the Super Bowl before and was a seventh round pick and the Niner defense, which, you know, we already outlined their issues up front and their, their teams are running on at will on them in these playoffs. Why do you think the Niners are the team that's favored to win this game? I got a couple of reasons. I mean, obviously that's Vegas. They're going to try to tote the line like that to make you, to make you question, make you question. So Vegas knows how to run the line. I'm not going to question that. Um, but the other reason I know if you ever that that's the house. I agree with you. Anytime I see a line um, and I and I wonder, like, I'll give you the example, the Jacksonville game. Jacksonville had won five in a row. They hadn't trailed in any of those games. The Niners had lost three in a row. They hadn't led in any of those games. They're coming off the bye week. And yet the Niners were favored in Jacksonville. And I'm talking to a buddy of mine. He's like, how many times have you looked at a, a Vegas spread? And you did, and you made you wonder: Do you go against it or do you go for it? 
And I said, you know what? That's a hell of a point. And I bet the Niners against Jacksonville that day because I'm like, Vegas knows something. Uh, all the reasonable handicapping in this game says Jacksonville is going to be tough to beat. And there were a lot of people, a guy, that guy on Kyle Brandt on the Good Morning Football on the NFL Network was like, the wrong team's favored. Yeah. But the Niners destroyed uh, Jacksonville that day. So when Vegas knows something, do you just lean with Vegas? I mean, sometimes you do, but that's, again, not always, because then that that's how they get you, because you, you're questioning every day. I used to live in Vegas. It's If if betting was easy, we'd all be millionaires, because <laughs> right. oh, let me just go throw a parlay real quick, win 20K. It's not easy, Larry. You never know what's going to happen. But at the end of the day, I think there are some factors. The, the 49ers were a great team. The offense was amazing. You look at that roster top to bottom, you know, seven um, all pros, nine pro bowlers. All these, all this talent, great team, great talent, unbelievable, right? Um, and and you also got to realize that, hey, yeah, they might be, you know, playing the Chiefs, but the Chiefs really weren't like the most uh, dominating team this year. And the 49ers dominated some really good teams, you know, or teams that we thought were good at the time. Cowboys, they crushed them. They crushed the Jaguars, like you said. They crushed the Eagles. So they can win um, big if they need to. And they've played that bully ball um, Chiefs do have a really good defense. This is probably the best defense I've seen the Chiefs have under the Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid era. This is a great defense, no, you know, no doubt about it. Um, but I do think that their offense has sputtered this year. Like a lot of people didn't expect the Chiefs to even make it to the Super Bowl. Everybody was picking the Bills, the 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 Ravens, and all these teams. Not me. I wasn't doubting Patrick Mahomes. I said it was going to be 49ers Chiefs. I don't pick against Patrick Mahomes in the AFC. None of those quarterbacks can beat him. But their receivers. Other than Rashi Rice, who's kind of stepped up lately, they're really not game changers, you know? So I think that's a factor. Also, you got to realize 49ers are playing in Vegas, okay? Vegas is basically the backyard of the 49ers, right? So I feel like more fans should be there from the 49ers, although, you know, you can't say that because it's a national game, neutral site. Fans from Kansas City can flock if they, you know, they want to come. But I feel like this is a little bit closer to San Francisco, Santa Clara, whatever. So there should be a little bit more home mentality um, in, in Vegas for the 49ers. But again, it's a neutral side Super Bowl. But I don't know. I also think that the 49ers just have a lot of players. Yeah, I know they didn't win that last Super Bowl, but they have been there. You know, George Kittle, Trent Williams, Debo Samuel, Kyle Juszczyk, Arik Armstead. These guys have been there. You know, Fred Warner. So uh, they have the experience, too. You know, new quarterback, Brock Purdy. I know they're playing Patrick Mahomes. But Brock Purdy's beaten Tom Brady. He's beaten some big-time quarterbacks through his career. So um, it's interesting. But the line's not huge. It's not like it's a you know a six, seven point. It's it's a very close one and a half. It, to me, that's still like a toss up. Um, I'll say this: if it's point differential, the Niners were plus one ninety three. Mm. Uh, the Chiefs were plus seventy seven. Mm. So maybe the Niners are the better team. Yeah, I you know, so. I mean, I haven't thought about that. You, uh, Kittle's got a toe injury. You think it's a turf toe? How serious do you think it is? He uh, didn't practice today. Um, but, man, the Super Bowl is not until a week from Sunday. You, you think that, that toe is a major thing or no? I hope it's not. If it's turf toe, we're, that's tough. But guess what? That would be tough. It's the Super Bowl. George Kittle ain't missing the Super Bowl. Uh, he's he's going to play regardless. But I think this week it's nice that they have the week off. I think. They're going to let him rest, you know, and, and he plays tough, man. And maybe he got that toe injury from driving Aiden Hutchinson into the ground. He pancaked the crap out of him. I loved it. Um, but I think Kittle will be okay next week. I think part of it might just be a little precautionary 
you know, um, he because he plays so tough, so frenetic. But uh, we'll see next week's practice. I think that's going to be more telling. If he's limited, if he's not practicing, then we might know if it's kind of a big turf toe issue. I'm sure he's, you know, I think Kyle this week's probably just saying, hey, look, take it easy, lay low, rehab, get your treatment, and, and be ready for next week. So, um, I don't know, man, it's tough. Kittle kills a gamer, man, but they need him at as, as strong as he can be. But if it is turf toe, Larry, that's a, it's a, one of those pesky little injuries. No doubt. Uh, one last one, and then we'll have one last topic and, and bolt for the door after we hit our uh, hit our supers. Um, I'm a big fan of Amy Trask. I like Amy Trask. I didn't like what she said about Brock Purdy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she faced a ton of backlash. Niner, fan, Niner fans came for her uh, because she went on what the football podcast and she assessed the quarterbacks that were left in the playoffs. And she's like four games, eight quarterbacks, seven terrific quarterbacks and Brock Purdy. And obviously she believed that Purdy was the weakest of the, of, of the eight remaining quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. And then she clarified, she says, it's not that I don't like him. It's not that I dislike him. He does things very well. He's surrounded by a tremendous, tremendous supporting cast, both on offense and defense. He's a good quarterback. I don't put him in the category of the other seven, which included Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff, by the way. Mm. Um, so now here we are a few weeks later, and Purdy's won a couple playoff games. And now he's on the verge of, of winning the Super Bowl in Vegas on February the 11th. And she has apologized for her comments, not for the opinion itself, but how for how it was shared. Mm. And she said, I've been thinking quite a bit about my comment about Brock Brock Purdy, irrespective of the substance of that which I shared. Um, I shared my thoughts flippantly and rudely, and I apologize. This is her on social media. Yeah, and she it. went on to say, the best advice I've ever received is to thine own self be true. And I was not true to myself when I spoke flippantly and rudely, and I'm sorry that I did. Some will still be angry at me for the thoughts I shared. I'm apologizing not for them, but to be true to myself. Um, what do you think? What do you think? I mean, um, it wasn't like she backed off her opinion, really, but she basically said that she was being flippant and rude, and she's trying to kind of a little bit, a little bit of a walk back of her comments. Um, and wh- what do you think? Is that... Uh, what'd you think of those comments originally? What do you think of her pseudo kind of apology or walk back there? I mean, those comments were ridiculous and she does, do, she needed to apologize. I'm glad she did. I respect that she did because she was rude. She was pretty nasty. Like the way she said it, like the tone of her voice, it just was off putting. I was just like, Oh my God, that was disgusting. The way, you know, I, I've had time to check and I don't think he, it, it was just rude. And again, social media, the way media works nowadays and, and, sports media in general man it's, people say stuff because they're going to get their voice out there and heard and sometimes the more uh you know crazy your soundbite is it's going to go all over the place and you get your exposure so i think she probably got a lot of backlash and didn't like how it felt to have all that you know negativity because people were coming at her neck people were tweeting her cussing her out i mean she was a meme you know and then people kept the receipts on her the week afterward i'm sure she didn't like that you know she was um running around when she was you know ceo or and and with the raiders she was during doing it during a time he didn't have all this sports media so it was a different time now people can at your name at amy trash 
and say you're a fucking beep, 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 beep. <laughs> right, right. Probably didn't like that. So, yeah, she's going to walk her comments back. But you know what, man? If you're going to stand on business, stand on business. But I do respect that she apologized, but it's weak to me. You can't walk your comments back because I still think in the back of her mind, she probably still thinks that. But, hey, more power to her. I'm glad she walked her comments back and, and you know, apologized because guess what? Social media, I think she found out is a nasty place. And if you're going to be nasty to someone, people, fans are going to be nasty right back at you. So, yeah, thank you for the apology. Um, and you know what? The 49ers play the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, the Raiders. She's tied to the Raiders. There's going to be a lot of people that are coming after her after this game if the 49ers win. So I think she realized, ooh, this is going to be good timing if I can apologize. So that was my thought on it. I'm glad she did it. And I was super just – I was disgusted when she said those initial comments. Yeah. Um, okay, let's hit the Supers and we'll bolt for the door. We got this one, Words of Wisdom. Larry, thoughts on on uh, Robert Beal Jr.'s back-to-back Georgia titles? Uh, so wait, he won two titles at Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. And well, wait, were they? Did they go back to back? And then, and then, and then they lost. They lost. They didn't make it to the final. Uh, yeah, they weren't even in the playoff this year. Uh, though they were the best team, I thought. I thought they mm-hmm. would, and they would have been favored. But basically, what he's saying is he won the last two years at Georgia, and if he if the Niners win Sunday, he will have won three titles in a row. Oh, okay, yeah, that's true. Okay. Would you like to see Robert Beal play more in this game? Because I I would. I'd like to see Robert Beal play. Now, I understand he's raw. Yeah, he's a rookie. But I'll take a raw rookie with 4-4 speed um, who, who's going to play all out over Chase Young and Randy Gregory based on what I've seen from them. Um, I absolutely would play Robert Beal a lot. He'll, he'll be hungry. Hey, at the end of the day, just throw him, make him run towards Patrick Mo. I just need to see effort from all of these guys. If he wants to play, if Kyle wants him to play, let him suit up. I, I want everybody and anybody out there because we need to get to, to Patrick Mahomes. That's it, bottom line. No doubt. Keith Murphy, the unbeaten. A month ago, uh, it was, are we going to extend Chase or Ayuk? That looks asinine now. Now, <laughs> uh, not only is it the NFC Championship, but you're in a contract year. Oh, I know. I mean, there's no way. There's no way that you're bringing Chase Young back for any kind of big time money, and that makes his Cadillacing really bizarre because he know he's a veteran. He knows the film circulates. Every coach in the league sees these films, so you're costing yourself millions of dollars. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'd put him out there on Super Bowl Sunday, but I'd watch him closely, and if he looks great. Then I mean you got to play him because you only have so many guys. Yeah, you got but no doubt. I would consider playing Beal a few more snaps if Chase is giving you the kind of effort next week that he gave you last week. So short leash, put him on a short leash. Yeah, I mean I just I I, I wouldn't I, you know the one thing about Beal Beal's fast. Mm-hmm. Beal's really fast, and and you know if you want to if you want to run down Mahomes, having that speed off the edge might be the way to do it. Eric Hernandez is Larry. Are you and Damon having Friday wake up tomorrow? Yes, we are. Tune in 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. I'll also be on tomorrow at 1045 with Chase Senior and at noon tomorrow with the great Al Sacco. We're going three live stream Friday before uh, before one o'clock and get up early with Krug tomorrow. We're we're going after it. We're going to go. We're going to go get it. All right. Uh, (laughs) Keith Murphy says, how much does Charles Menehue's loss hurt Kansas City? 
We haven't mentioned that. We really haven't mentioned a Menahue's loss on the Niners, but I think losing a Menahue and Ebukam was incredibly costly for the 49ers. And I saw it at the time. They brought in Hargrave. They kissed off those guys. I'll throw it to you right now. If you could undo that. Now, Menahue's done for the year. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you could undo that, do you think the Niners this year would have been better off with Hargrave or with a Menahue and Samson Ebukam and maybe some third body up front? That's tough because Hargrave was good for a big stretch. I think it, until he got hurt, it just kind of he kind of fell off a little bit. But I mean, honestly, Omenihue and and Ebukam they were they were good because they were good run stoppers. Like they were good at setting the edge. Yeah, and, great and, at it. And they were really good. And that's what Omenihue he's a big loss. He was having a career year. That's the thing. The 49ers get these cast offs off defensive linemen, people that you never really heard of, or people that are kind of you know busts in the sense of the name. And then Chris Kusirk. Tunes them up. They get the most out of them. They go sign someone. Arden Key. They've done it with many guys. This year, I really like Cleland Farrell. Honestly, I was surprised that he played as good as he did because he didn't really live up to that step, his draft stock in the Raiders. But it was the Raiders. It was a bad team. They couldn't develop. He came over here, and he really showcased himself just like Arden Key. I think that was a big loss. I think I, mean, I would have I, I still would have loved to get Hargrave, but I think the problem was, okay, they got Cleland Farrell. The other guy, Austin Bryant, they brought in just wasn't enough. I don't think that was. And Drake good. didn't evolve. It didn't evolve. They were putting a lot of pressure on Drake. And I said it this offseason later. I said, they're putting a lot of stock on Drake. And, you know, that's a lot of snaps they lost between Ebby Cam and Jordan Willis and oh, many of you. I said, it. I said, I don't know if Drake can hold up all those snaps from those three guys because he barely even played a full year last year, but he didn't. And Kyle told him, hit the weight room. So, in my mind, I was like, how's Drake going to play all those guys' snaps and absorb all that? And then they brought in Kalel, and I was like, okay, that's nice. But the other guy, Austin Bryant, he never really no. played. So I think that was their mistake. They should have brought in a different third guy, maybe a fourth guy. But I think because they brought in Hargrave, they put in so many chips on him. They might have been better if they would have just got like three or four of those mid-tier guys instead of one superstar. Because injuries happen. You need depth. Now look at us. Drake's out. Um, Cleland Farrell's out. You're you're kind of hanging on for dear life. They had to get Gregory. They had to get Chase Young because you need depth. Robert Beal was dealing with injuries all year. Um, Omenovi was a huge loss. He's going to be a big loss for the Chiefs. Um, again, both of those guys, Omenovi and Cleland Farrell, were so good at setting the edge. And when I, I talked to Farrell in the locker room after the knee injury, mm-hmm. I was shocked. I was shocked that they put him on the IR. He got surgery two weeks ago. I was. I was blown away because they said Kyle Shanahan said, "Oh, he'll be back in a couple of weeks." He said, "A couple of weeks." Right. Got surgery. That Instagram story. I was like, what? "Done for the year." And and the one thing about Cleveland Farrell, the guy's motor ran ran fast and ran. You know, he 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 had a motor. So I mean, he was good against the run. He was the hustler. He, uh, he doesn't have awesome speed off the edge to run the loop. But you know what? The guy's motor goes full speed, and he would have helped. He absolutely would have helped. Leopoldo Reza says Brock is fantastic, but defense wins championships. The D-line better keep our backers clean. That is the key to getting the W. Keep up the good work, Larry. Thank you, Leopoldo. I think you're absolutely right. Keith Murphy says, I don't believe Kyle knew it was his guy. If he knew that, then you're 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 bit waiting until that pick. Not sure how what he was saying there. It was his guy. Uh, he's talking about Kyle. He's talking about Purdy. Waiting for Purdy. Yeah. Well, 
you know, I don't know. I mean, you had Jimmy there. You had Trey. If he had just promoted Purdy out of training camp in 2022, my God. God, could you imagine? Could you imagine <laughs> the people would have had a field day with him? Yeah. Keith Murphy says Vegas had us as a favorite at Philly. Hopefully, same result. Yeah, that was another one. It's like a lot of people were saying the wrong wrong team was favored in that game. Niners went to Philly and slapped them. Uh, Sam Wilson says, Larry, where will you be staying in Vegas? Uh, we're staying, I think, at the Strata. Yeah, you told me I that. I think I think we're staying at the Strata. So, so look for, look for me. I'll be all over the strip uh, all week media, long there. Media is Media Day Monday. Starts Monday. Media Day is Monday. I won't be there for for Media Day. I'll be there Tuesday through uh, through the weekend. Okay. So what so, about yourself? When are you going? Uh, I'm probably going to be there by Wednesday or Thursday. But so Media Day is Monday. What are they doing Tuesday? What are they doing? Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, the Niners will practice at wherever they're, they'll have their own media availability, wherever they're at. I think they're 15 miles off the strip somewhere. They're way, they're way out. UNLV. That's my alma mater, baby. You went to Vegas? I went to you. You you and, you and G rad. Yeah. Uh, UNLV. Um, yeah. Well, if we're there, if I, if we meet up in Vegas, we'll have to have a drink. Um, all right, Raj, last thought before, if, if I don't talk to you before the game, Give me your quick thought on what we may see. Hopefully, we'll get a chance to stream together next week in Vegas. Um, but who knows? It's going to be a wild week, and I think it's going to be kind of a catch-as-catch-can kind of a deal with all the partying, drinking, gambling, um, and all all the uh, different things that are going to be going on. If we don't talk before the Super Bowl, give me your key factor and how you see it. Pound the rock, beat CMC, let Debo be Debo. Debo was the catalyst. For that second half comeback, he came out with his hair on fire. When I saw that first play out the gates, I was like, oh, my God, they're going to let – I knew it. I said, Debo's not letting this team lose. He was so hyped up in, tra- in practice today. I saw those videos. Debo Samuel, I'm telling you, that's the key. He's the guy. He's the MVP? guy. MVP? He's going to be the MVP of the game? The last time the 49ers were in the Super Bowl, Debo would have been the MVP. If they kept giving him the ball and they ended up winning that game, he set the record – for a wide receiver rushing yards. And it was his rookie season. I remember that game. I was like, oh my God, this guy Debo has arrived. He was running right, running left, jet sweep, reverse. And it was crazy. They couldn't stop this guy. Debo Samuel, Larry, mark my words. MVP, Debo Samuel. Book it. Wow. Okay, Ah. I'm going to go. I'm going to go 49ers win the game. And I I, I think it's going to be, you know, um, it won't be a shootout. But it's not going to be super low scoring either. I'm going to say, um, what's it going to be? I'll say 28-24 49ers. Okay, okay. And the MVP goes to Nick Bosa. Woo! Nicholas John Bosa, okay. I think Bosa gets four sacks and a fumble recovery. Two penalties called on Jawan Taylor. Yeah. Four sacks, a fumble recovery. And multiple penalties against Juwan Taylor, and they give it to Bosa as the MVP of the MVP of the Super Bowl, and the Niners win 28-24. That'd be phenomenal. Whatever happens, I hope that that's what happens. Larry, keep firing those questions, man. Those questions today were fantastic. I want to hear some more beautiful questions tomorrow. They were good. When Nick Thank Bosa you. said they hold a lot, I was like, oh my god! And I played the audio back. I was like, was that Larry that asked that question? <laughs> Nick, what did you see on film from Taylor and Smith? They hold a lot. I mean, just just 
Uh, amazing, amazing answer from Nick Bosa. Raj, great stuff, man. Have a great night. Thanks to you. When do you go live again? When do you? When can people, or when and where can people check you out next? Yeah, every day Instagram we go live in the evenings when I get back from work. Tomorrow we'll be live. Uh, was it seven p.m. Pacific? Uh, we'll be live talking about you know everything that's happened this week and the next week. It's gonna be crazy. So I'm not sure my schedule, but it will definitely be live. And you know I'm always hopping on Instagram. So appreciate you, Larry. Check me out tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., everybody, with Damon Bruce on 49er Wake Up on both of our channels. Thanks to Pig and a Pickle, uh, the best barbecue in Northern California. Thanks to Underdog Fantasy. Thanks to Marin Auto Glass. Have a great night, everybody. Peace. Yeah, never met a man I've been scared of. Careful, you won't get exactly